This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast, episode 710, and it's going to be an absolute storm for your ears today, which actually translates to we're all very busy because of Gamescom and it might be a bit of a short one today. But hey, I'm joined by Emma Matthews. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going so well, Emma. The Americans are here in the office and it's always a joy to have them around but today we're also joined by Matthew Jones hey, as well. Hello, Matthew. What's up? How's it, how's it hanging? Oh, oh, it's just so good. But you know what? Despite it being a good day, it's also a day of mourning as well. Because we're here to discuss the Xbox 360, Xbox 360 and how its storefront is shutting down. I know, I know. Hold back the tears. It's all very, very sad. Um, so yeah, the news came out. I think it was actually yesterday mm-hmm. that the Xbox 360 store is shutting down on July 29th of, what's it, 2024. So you still got a bit of time if you want to buy Limbo on the Xbox <laughs> 360. one of the ones that you can't get anymore? I have no <laughs> idea. Maybe Castle Crashers? I can't quite no, remember what's Castle left Crashers on Xbox anywhere. Arcade. Exactly. But I figured it might be nice to take a trip down memory lane and sort of think about our favourite... Xbox 360 titles, our, ex- our favorite Xbox 360 memories. Now, I want to sort of kick this off with, and I'll, I'll ask you, Emma, what was your sort of first, like, HD experience? Like, the first sort of, like, your first sort of moment when you realize, like, holy shit, next gen is here. Because I remember my specific moment, but I want to hear yours. So, with, yeah, with games, it was when I saw Guitar Hero 3 on Xbox 360. I was amazed oh, at how clear everything looked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about you, Matt? I had just bought an HD TV, um, and I think I was playing uh, Devil May Cry Four on it. Oh, um, and I remember like like waving my mum in, and I was like, oh, "Mum, you got to check this <laughs> out. You got to see Devil May Cry Four in, in high definition." <laughs> she didn't know what was going on, but I'm sure she appreciated. <laughs> yeah. It. Did you did you have your Xbox 360 before you got a HD TV, and then did you I make that transition so, yeah. like on the day? I think I'm. I think if I'm putting it together, yeah, I'd been playing it for a while, but I hadn't hadn't had the true HD experience yet. Mm. Yeah, I got the 360 for um, Gears of War. I think like that was oh, the, okay. That was the system seller for me. No, that's fair. I mean, I I remember going down to my local Blockbusters, and I don't even know what year this could have been. This might have been 2006, or maybe it was just like very late 2005. Maybe they had like a little demo kiosk for the 360. But I saw Call of Duty 2, and it was the most beautiful, crispest, clear game I've ever seen. (laughs) I know, it was like I was in World War II. No, uh, thank God. Um, But it was just, it was amazing because, you know, I'd been a PS2 boy, for years and jumping from a, I was going to say a shitty CRT. We had a lovely CRT, which I'm really gutted. We just fucking binned for no reason. Like, oh, I've got a HD TV. I know we're idiots. If, if, if we, if we only knew, but I just remember seeing what HD graphics looks like. Like the HDMI cable was this scary new thing. Cause I was used to component baby. Oh, I wanted that. I'm a scarf boy <laughs> through and through. Yeah, exactly. But I figured it'll be nice to sort of talk about our three memorable games 
from the Xbox 360 generation. And, you know, maybe you might have heard of a few of these, whoever's listening. Maybe you haven't. We're all going to find out. But, Matt, I'd like to kick off with you. What was what was one of your prime Xbox 360 memories so when it comes to I, games? When I think about the Xbox 360, I think of, like, this sort of risk-taking that you really can't do anymore. Mm. Uh, there were a lot of games that came out for it that were just kind of okay, and yet, yep. like, that was good enough. Like, I, I was playing everything at the time. I think I've talked about it on this show before, but I, like, I was at university, and I would go to the Blockbuster every Friday, and I would pick up whatever the new <laughs> release was, and that's all I'd do. Yeah. I'd, like, play it entirely through finish, and then I'd give it back on Monday, uh, and I'd pay, like, no money doing it, which meant that I was playing, like, literally everything, regardless of quality. So I want to do a little bit of a uh, an honourable mention for, for Rogue Warrior, which is absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> Never Dead, uh, which is kind of exciting. You're a little zombie man who, whose head can fly off and roll around. That was pretty cool. And a game called The Club as well, which was... Oh, I remember The Club. That was... Mm-hmm. Was that like the online-only like third-person shooter? Uh, yeah, exactly. So it was like time attack stuff. So yeah. it's something that has since been like replicated in a bunch of different games, like um, what came out last year that I really liked, the card one, uh, Neon White, really was oh, like, okay. was yeah, like yeah, playing yeah. that again. Um, but it was it just was a kind of new idea or a new way of mm. experiencing that thing, um, and that really felt like that's what the Xbox 360 was. It was like just enough high fidelity, but also production value could be kind of low, which meant that you could get really weird stuff. And we also, like, AAA development um, hadn't completely taken over, so publishers were still putting out a lot of stuff, whereas now big publishers are maybe only putting out, like, a handful of things every year. Um, Mm, So they would just, you know, they'd have the license to be doing something that they had no reason to do, uh, (laughs) and it would still sell. And so that's what I think about when I think about the Xbox 360, people, like, taking risks in a way that they don't really now. And so, mm, my, I mean, uh, my first one that I really want to talk about is, of course, 50 Cent Blood in the Sand, <laughs> which is an excellent little shooter, is significantly better than it has any right to be. Uh, have either of you played this? So, I haven't played Blood in the Sand, but I think I did play 50 Cent, I think, Bulletproof, mm-hmm. was it, on the PS2? And I was dog shit at that, <laughs> and I never touched any 50 Cent products again in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I haven't played it, but I have seen like gameplay and stuff from it, and I've heard it mentioned a lot of times before. Well, I will give you the rundown of what happens in 50 Cent Blood in the Sand. 50 Cent is doing a gig in an unnamed country in the Middle East. I'm pretty sure it's unnamed. We'll, we'll say it's unnamed for the purpose of this. <laughs> That's good. Um, and he's doing a gig, and the promoter of the gig puts up a skull, a crystal skull that's designed almost exactly like the Damien Hurst thing. Um, I think even in the development of this game, 50 Cent saw the Damien Hurst skull and was like, yeah, I want to, I want that in my game. <laughs> so um, he has this as collateral, but it gets stolen as he's doing the gig. And so oh, no. <laughs> in order for him to get paid for doing this gig, he has to go around and shoot everybody. <laughs> um, uh, that, that seems like very incriminating on 50 Cent's part to... If if how, how true to life mm. is blood in the sand? <laughs> it's a one to one retelling of Fifty Cent's origin story, uh, and so the shooting's fine. Like it's it's actually like fairly good. Like, mm. um, but the thing that's really that really sells it. That's the important thing to know is that there's a dedicated swearing button, uh, and that swear. Oh wow! It adds to your score. So you should basically constantly be pressing the swearing button, <laughs> but you can unlock harsher and harsher swears as the game continues. So, oh, so you've got like a you've got like a skill tree you do. for yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's sick. And the that's more amazing! Score you get, wow. I think you unlock more abilities with the with the, the score. So yeah, it incentivizes you to constantly be swearing by pushing a dedicated <laughs> swearing button. Um, it's great. There's nothing like it. What did your yeah, parents was... think of that? Did they ever walk in the room while you were just mashing that button? I'm sure I must have been 18 by the time this came out. So, oh, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> oh, man. That was bad then. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's what I was going to say because I, I remember specifically my mum saying like, Jesse, 
I'm never going to buy you Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. But then, like, that Christmas, she got me the Scarface video game. Nice. <laughs> she got me, like, true crime and stuff. It's just, like, parents just knew GTA was evil. Yeah. But anything else, that was an 18. It's like, it's all good. And horrific things happen in Scarface, but it's it's all good. It's all good as long as it isn't GTA. Um, I never played oh, the Scarface God. game, but I had heard that it has a balls meter. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I think... I think if you increased your balls, which is a dreadful thing to say, from memory, um, you then have like a slow-mo, like rage sort of mode that lets you just target enemies quickly and blow them apart. Great. But it's all, he, he does mention his balls a lot in that game. But you know, if you're talking about like PS2 generation stuff, we can be discussing balls all day. But <laughs> sadly, that's not going to be happening in this episode. Um, how about yourself, Emma? So one of the, like I mentioned, um, I was amazed the first time I saw Guitar Hero 3. I completely mm. somehow missed one and two. So <laughs> I was actually at my friend's house and whenever we'd go over to her house, she would like steal her brother's Xbox 360 and we'd play games on that in her room. <laughs> and she was like, I've got this new game. It's called Guitar Hero. It's really cool. And she brought out the controller and I was like, okay. This is this is amazing. Whatever we're about to do is about to be something I'm going to remember, right? Yeah. <laughs> I played this game on her TV. I was just like, I have to have this. It was amazing. Like all the the set list is really really good for that game. Like to be honest, of all the Guitar Hero games, I think that's still like my favorite one. Um, and yeah, it was just like the first time like seeing it so like clear as well. Just like <laughs> look how clear this game is. I can see like all the writing properly. Like I can yeah. read it. It's just amazing. And yeah, I got hooked on it at her house, went home and like pestered my parents. I think <laughs> I think it came out in the October or something. And so I was going yeah. on and on at them. Like, I want this for Christmas. I have to have it. Got it on Christmas Day. Was obviously terrible at it. Um, <laughs> so the whole of Christmas Day was just my parents listening to me, like struggle just, my yeah. way through slow ride. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking up each match. Yeah, it was, um, but it was, it was just great. And yeah, like mm. even now, sometimes it's like, it's one of those games where it's like a kind of a comfort game where you can just go back yeah, to your life yeah. and play for it again. Um, mm. I am better at it now. I can get past slow ride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, cause like Guitar Hero would have been like one of the earlier games, which would have had a shit ton of DLC. Were you able to, convince your parents to be like hey i've already bought the game but now i want to buy more of the game so please give me extra money so i can buy like 5.99s worth of fucking i don't know acdc music or some shit like were you able to convince them to give you like xbox live arcade and to like get was it how did you buy dlc back then did you have to get like microsoft points i can't quite remember yeah it was microsoft points they yeah. weren't having any of that. You've <laughs> like, already bought a game. What's the yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing as well, right? So you have to get the controller with it. And my sister would want to play too, but we only had one controller. So it was like, okay, we're going to have to keep swapping between the two of us to play through <laughs> this game. And I think there was there was at least one song in it as well where you could, you'd unlock it by playing like co-op. And oh, so for that okay. whole time, I'd like I would hear that song in the menu, and I'd be like, "What yeah. is that song? I can't find it on here at all." And it <laughs> turned out, yeah, that's how you unlocked it. I found out years later, and I was like, "Oh, like for me, it was just like there's like this phantom song on here that I have no idea like who it is or like what <laughs> yeah. what, it, what it's from." And yeah, it turns out it's just because we didn't have enough of controller and we had to share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that is pretty peaky. Yeah, I do talking about like sort of comfort game. For me, that would be the Elder Scrolls, I think four, Oblivion. Because um, I remember my mum getting me an Xbox 360 Elite. And I can't remember what year specifically it was. It might have been 2007 or 2008. But she got me Call of Duty 3, Lost Planet, and the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. That and is the a first great, thing, that is a great it's, it's, it was like the best fucking lineup yeah. ever. And like... I had a few mates who had like, you know, the sort of normal like pleb Xbox 360s. But then when I opened the box and it was the Elite, I was over the fucking moon. That shit looked <laughs> sick and premium. But I, because I played like a few semi, like you'd play GTA on the PS2, San Andreas. That was like an orange haze of just pixels and like just a mess. But then loading up Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And there's one moment I specifically remember. I was like, holy shit, this is the future of games. You create your character, you sort of go through like this little prison escape section 
and then you leave and you're finally in um, the sort of open world proper. And there's like a little dock in front of you, a little river, and then like a little enemy camp in front of you and sort of a, an outstretched world just ready to explore. And looking back at it now, and I have a picture of what the actual area looks like now. It looks like dog shit. It is the, <laughs> the, the most low res looking thing. I'm counting all of like maybe 15 trees in the distance. But that moment as a kid, like sort of seeing what, it's weird to say like a next gen open world game, mm-hmm. what that looks like. Cause that, that, that particular scene there was sort of what it was. It's, it's the view that launched the HD generation for me. And Oblivion as well is like, it's one of the most comfy sort of games I think I still like to go back to because every single character is voiced and they all sound dreadful. Like there's only like- Conversation system sucks too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like every bloke sounds the same and all have a deep voice and stuff. Then you have like the one woman who sounds like she's been smoking cigarettes for 50 years. She voices the elves and stuff like that. But it it was one of, it was like one of the good reasons to own an Xbox 360. And it was sort of my first introduction to an RPG mm. as well. I think, I can't remember if I'd have played any like other RPGs before, but I remember mm. a friend of mine having it on PC uh, and me like had never heard of it before, but I, I just, I yeah. thought that it was like really nerdy, right? Like that you were you know, <laughs> yeah. doing spells and being an elf. Oh, and you get to play around. an elf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was at a bit, I can still remember pretty vividly that he was like talking about how he'd just become a vampire and he oh, was God, um, yes. like in a Daedric temple at the time, like looting it. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, not only can you just have this thing happen to you, but you can go and like yeah. loot a temple. And you're telling me that there's like a hundred of these that I could go to. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, mate, I'm in immediately. Like, mm. what other okay. game would have offered you both of those things before? <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Like, Elder Scrolls Oblivion is the first time I saw a member transitioning into a dickhead because. That was the first game that let you just sort of kill anyone, yeah. and then you can be the, you can be then join the Dark Brotherhood, and then you could just be a murderer and for the, the rest of the game. And the Dark Brotherhood quests in that are some banging. of the best thing that's in games. Yeah. honestly, it's some of the best yeah, bit of video exactly. Gaming. It was it was the first sort of RPG because like when you say RPG back then, it's like my mind went to Final Fantasy, mm. and I was like, oh, Final Fantasy, that's for nerds. I want to play Elder Scrolls <laughs> just because it was really pretty and just. Oh man, it was one hell of a game. I wouldn't mind, you know what? I might just bring the Steam Deck to Germany for Gamescom and see if I can load up. It's probably gonna control like shit on there, but you know what? It's an experience I wanna have, it'll take me back. Oh man, yeah. Matt, what's your what's your next memorable title? So another instance of somebody taking a risk that doesn't necessarily pay off. <laughs> Um, I really enjoy the moxie of uh, Obsidian Studios making Alpha Protocol. Uh, either of you check mm. this one out. I no, haven't. cool. It is. No, I mean, I tell don't, us all about it, Matt. Go on. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth going back. <laughs> but at the time, it was one of those like just good enough, like very mm. inventive and interesting. So you're, it's like an RPG, but you're a spy. Um, and so you'll be sent on all of these missions to uh, different parts of the world. You'll have lads to shoot there and conversations to have. Yeah. And it's almost really interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, and it needed like two more months polish mm. and it would have been absolutely fine. There are, there are some people that have modded it to like kind of maybe fix it. That's, but you can't like... That's that's what I was going to say. I, I remember the reviews coming out for Alpha Protocol um, and... Again, like I was at that point when probably that game came out, like I was into Gears, I was into COD. So I wanted like grimy, muscly men shooting and killing each other because mm. that's what I was into. And then Alpha Protocol came out and everyone looks like action men, all really plasticky and like really bad, I don't know, beards and mustaches that you could customize your character with. And it didn't quite look good enough, but it seems like it has like a pretty big following it or has fan a cult base following. yeah absolutely now the thing yeah. that i think is really cool about it there you mostly just shoot lads like uh <laughs> but there's one mission, i love games like that <laughs> there's one mission where if you show up wearing your like tactical equipment like you're there yeah. ready to shoot somebody uh, a guy will comment on it and he'll be like why have you shown up for a mission when this is clearly just a meeting between us you should <laughs> you should be in a suit and i was like oh my god it's this is amazing yeah yeah Oh, 
That does sound quite cool. Yeah, like it, stuff like that. Like it, it feels like more of those kind of games where you have more of those kind of, I don't know, dynamic kind of options only really opened up, at least in memory for me, with the Xbox 360. Same for Oblivion, same for something like Alpha Protocol. Mm -hmm. I don't remember there anything being quite like that on, I know that, you know, um, the PS2 and stuff. I played a little bit of, um, oh God, some games. I Like, I think, like, Final Fantasy Tactics had some stuff like oh, this. Oh, okay. And, like, yeah. um, Tactics Ogre that, uh, definitely had, mm. like, branching narrative stuff, but not like this. Yeah, no, that's fair. What about you, Emma? What's What's next on your trip down memory lane? My next one. It's a lovely trip. It's also a trip that I think a lot of people <laughs> remember being kind of a horrible trip because it's like, it's a mean game. <laughs> it's Dark Souls. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. So have you both played Dark Souls? I have, yeah. Played the first one. I mean, I I remember a friend, I think, pre-ordering it for the Xbox 360. And then I, I think I remember going over to his, playing it for an hour and thinking that is the shittest game <laughs> I've ever played. I'm never going to touch it again i don't know what your first experience was it's like so Emma. interesting how many people have that perspective as well like uh, mm. men have since learned to love it but they were like no one will ever like this this sucks <laughs> yeah mine was kind of like that to begin with i saw someone else play it and i was like oh you know it looks it looks really gray and it looks really hard and like i'm not sure about that at all and then tried it for myself and it's like the intro is so strong i think because it kind of lulls you into this like full sense of security with like that very mm, first boss mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, this isn't so bad. And then you get out into the big wide world and you're like, actually, this is horrible. Everything's trying <laughs> to kill me. Like, I'm so weak and just like, <laughs> but I fell in love with that experience. It's like after you've sort of died for your, like you're maybe your 20th or 30th death, you're like, okay, I think I'm starting to get it. <laughs> I really love that it's like that opening as well. I, I don't just mean the, um, the like, uh, cathedral bit at the beginning like when you first go to file link and you start like going along the main story path it is mm. just designed in such a way that like it forces you to just make decisions and like learn what's happening around you and it feels difficult but it's like you know it is just they're playing a joke on you they're saying that you don't yeah. know how it works yet and you're gonna and it, it just it rules in a way that nothing else does oh yeah mm. definitely like i think as well the first sort of time you find a shortcut to somewhere or you know you've been you've sort of gone off the path you, you feel like oh you know I'm going off on my own I'm going down this part I don't know what's ahead and then you end up back somewhere where you've seen like a closed gate or something mm -hmm. before and you're like wow like this is so cool I had no idea I was going to pop out here um, the and fun, yeah, um, the secrets as well that people would uh, like it, it was one of the first games I think that I played with people at the same time and they'd sell you like oh you've got to shoot the dragon's tail in order to get a really cool sword at the beginning yeah. of the game. The Drake sword. Oh, I love that mm. sword. It's so good at the beginning of the game. But yeah, you're right. Mm. Like, d discovery is like, you're rewarded so much in that game. But also, as you're going along, you kind of fear. Well, well I did anyway. Like, fear what's ahead constantly. It's like, I'm scared what's ahead, but I have to push forward. Mm -hmm. And sometimes <laughs> it works out and you get something really cool or you discover something like that, like a secret. Or, you know, you try and open a chest and uh, you know, for a certain part of the game, it's like, oh, there's always a treat inside. And then suddenly they're like, no. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> now it's a mimic. Yeah, um, I felt really lucky, though, that I played uh, Demon's Souls beforehand as well. So oh, I kind yeah, of, of knew course. what I was in for. Like, I'd gotten over mm. the feeling of like, oh, this is an intensely difficult game that's like unforgiving and yeah. a little bit unfair. Because I'd played the more unforgiving and unfair one beforehand. That's really mm -hmm. cool. I mean, no. Yeah, I, I hadn't say, like, played that, so I was, it, it was all new and all very scary, yeah. but all exciting too. I was going to say, I, f I feel like Dark Souls is probably the first difficult game I ever really played. Like I was, I was playing like you know third-person action adventure games and first-person shooters on my PS2 and you know whatever. But Dark Souls was the first game, at least when I played it with my mates. I was like, this, you know, this fucking blows ass. Mm -hmm. I'm never touching this shit again. And then you see a few other videos and you're like oh well i really love like knights in bulky armor and mm -hmm. fucking big claymores and shit like i want to chop stuff down and then eventually playing it and then discovering i'm still shit at it at this <laughs> but it's not it's not too bad and especially because what year was dark souls was that like 2009 or eight yeah, i can't right. quite yeah. remember but like that was when i first even started like going on youtube and being like I need to know specifically like what strats are 
and stuff because I didn't give a shit about strategy before in any sort of game I was playing. I was just like, I'm just going to give it a go. And even then, I'd buy little cheat books from the corner store and shit like that. But Dark Souls was the first difficult game I played where it was like, I need to actually do a little bit of prep and go on YouTube and see what people are, you know, see what strats they're using at fucking 360p because capture cards back then looked like fucking bumhole and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you just couldn't get any good looking footage back then. That actually, yeah, oh, it's man. such a specific time because I remember I would watch people playing Guitar Hero as well, but they'd be just recording footage off of their uh, off of their TV. <laughs> yeah. They just have a camera pointed at it, and you'd be like, "Oh my god, you've done such a great uh, Guitar Hero <laughs> run." Yeah. yeah. It was like, uh, I think that you could probably chart a lot of people's interest in getting capture cards and stuff like that because they wanted to just post, like, video game <laughs> times, right? Like, or yeah. they wanted to show off that they'd beaten, like, Bark mm. of the Moon on Guitar Hero. I mean, or- the, the, the dream of getting getting a 720p capture card that didn't look like shit mm-hmm. was, uh, yeah, it was definitely on my mind back then. But um, I mentioned before one of the games I got uh, for Christmas was Lost Planet. And I'm going to be talking about it's extreme conditions mm-hmm. right now. So if you don't know what Lost Planet is, it's sort of a third person, almost over the shoulder shooter, I guess. And Lost Planet takes place on a planet that has extreme conditions. It's very cold and it's a very desolate planet full of disgusting, like orangey bugs and stuff. And the one thing that drew me in, because I remember opening the Argos catalog and like just seeing the cover for it and thinking, Oh, it's like a, like a it's winter like a, world. Yeah, it's like a spec op soldier in like this lovely winter wonderland. I was like, that looks fucking rad, mum. I want that, please. And she got it for me. But Lost Planet is a sort of lonely, desolate third person shoot that takes place on this really cold planet full of bugs. And it's, I just remember, and again, it goes back to just the visuals of the Xbox 360. And if you had like the TV for it like the crisp snow like the the hard edges of like the aliens and the glow of like their weak spots and stuff and the entire game mostly takes place on foot but then every every few missions and stuff you come across i can't remember what they're called i think they're called like vital suits which were like yeah yeah snow mechs and they had like gatling guns and fucking rocket launchers and stuff and you could like sometimes blow up buildings when the aliens are coming out and to be honest, I barely remember the story because it is one of those it's one of those games where the story doesn't matter at all. You're it's just there to play some fucking aliens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but it's it was just one of those comfy games because I remember even like potentially snowing that Christmas, and then I had like the alien snow game can, to play. And it was, I can picture it was just you like with a little was, hot chocolate with some marshmallows. Yeah, on. it was it was just perfect. And like, and it sort of reminds me as well of. Um, the third Matrix film, which a lot of people don't love, but you know, like when I think Zion is getting attacked and everyone's in those big ass mechs oh, with like gatling yeah. guns. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like Lost Planet is just that, but in the snow. And if you're not warm enough, you fucking die. Yeah, I was going to mention that uh, because that's the thing that really stood out to me about that first game is that like your heat Mm. is constantly ticking down. Like you've got to make it from space to space in order to be like actually be able to survive. Uh, And that was kind of a trend for like Capcom games at the time because like. Mm. dead rising also had that like time yes. mechanic like yes, i think they yes, were really yes. pushing this idea of like you needed to be booking it mm. um i also really love about the lost planet series that every game is kind of different like lost, oh, yeah. lost planet 2 is a massive departure it's like a multiplayer action game set in the like jungle oh, yeah, yeah jungle and swamps and stuff like that i mean another thing that i loved as well i think i think this is like one of the earlier games i remember playing that had like a grappling hook mm, yeah, yeah like totally. if, oh if i wanted to scale up on the snow here or the ice or like this building here then you shoot out and you just like fly right up towards it and stuff and i was just like as I, f- I feel like it's gonna sound so lame to say like this is when games were cool. They were. You know? <laughs> no, because like I, I remember, I remember like going down to game and being like, "Oh, you can get like two PS2 games for five quid," and they were dog shit, like fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Twenty Four, the video game and stuff. I was like, I don't want to play any of this shit. But it was, it was what was cheap and what was available. But then getting those, oh, I keep saying it, but just like those crystal clear looking games. Once we eventually got a HD TV. And they were just bigger and louder and just prettier. And I just, I loved it. And I want to go back because now everything is too clear and crystal. <laughs> I was having this issue when I was playing, um, oh, Returnal. I think everything looks so vibrant and colorful and just realistic that everything just sort of blends into one. 
like I have more trouble now focusing when I'm playing a hectic game compared to a hectic game on like the PS2 or the 360 because like you just know what you can pick up and what you can shoot compared to what you can't. Mm-hmm. I sound like an old man saying this. You really <laughs> do. Kids don't know how good they've got it these days. You talking I about know. grappling hooks, by the way, uh, really reminded me of another 360 game. Um, and I couldn't remember what it was called, so I just typed wife arm game. Um, oh, Bionic Commando. Bionic Commando. Because <laughs> the ending is that your wife has been your arm the whole game. Which... Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I've been planning on playing the game, actually. <laughs> Oh, shit. I mean, you know, that's just going to make the experience a lot more special, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't don't really mind. Oh, shit. Well, Emma, what's your your sort of final big 360 masterpiece that you have in your mind? My final one is Fallout Mm. 3. I was just completely amazed by it when it came out. Like, just the whole style of it, like the whole 50s, like post-apocalyptic, like, look... I just fell in love with it. It was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> had you and played the other two beforehand? No, so I hadn't at all. So yeah, I was like, I'm starting at three. Same with Katayo 3. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's always three for me. Um, but yeah, I was just like, this This is so cool. And I'd like, some of the quests in that game are just so memorable as well. Yeah. Like mm. um, The Oasis the- quest as well is the one that always stands out to me. That like utterly kills me that that's even in there. Yeah, what happens in the Oasis one again? It's the uh, tree stuff. So everywhere oh, the tree, oh, that's yeah, it, the yeah. Tree. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where you get the power of the atom one with mm-hmm. Megaton. I was just like, I was so shocked playing that oh. for the first time. Is, yeah. is Megaton like the fucking, um, oh wait, no, I'm thinking, that's Megaton is like where you can nuke that mm-hmm. town. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, I was thinking of like the Optimus Prime dickhead who like starts shouting out like kill commies and stuff mm-hmm. by the end of the game. I can't remember what mission it is. I was like, yeah, Levity Prime. He's a legend. Love that dude. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, Republic of Dave mission as well, I really love, where you like rig the election Mm. so that like somebody that shouldn't be in charge is in charge. It's Mm. so good. There are so many good ones. There's one where you steal like the Declaration of Independence as well, which is like, (laughs) that was really, really good. That sounds sick. Uh, oh god what else oh the one where it's um like two competing superheroes that are in a town that are like yes. trying to defend everybody from the ants i think right that is god really what a game I, I really i really remember that sort of at least like the start of that generation of games all of them were like brown and like muddy mm-hmm. and like dark Same color green palette. like yeah yeah like fallout 3 is an ugly ass looking game like if you played on the 360 now, it looks clapped. It's still a fun <laughs> game to play, but it's the same for like GTA 4 as well. GTA 4 was the first. Well, my older brother was allowed to buy it. I was allowed to play it because he bought it, which is some dumb rules. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but I remember that like being quite brown and just sort of beigey, sort of sunsetty kind of. I feel like a lot of games of that generation were, and I feel like it was because of like Unreal Engine 3 that sort of tech, like everything was just brown all the time. I remember that like one of the reasons I think that Dark Souls was so like slimy is that uh, the <laughs> engine that it's built on is really good at doing like kind of liquid. Like it was the yeah. first time that we could make a, a, a thing look like it's got goo all over it. Which, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like when you go into the depths and stuff mm-hmm. and when you're like right at the bottom of Blight Town, like it's disgusting down there like and all the all the creatures look really gross as well like they're all glistening and stuff yeah it's beautiful yes please oh yeah absolutely well talking about lack of color um want to discuss my my last personal favorite which is um the saboteur have any of you guys heard of the saboteur love the saboteur no tell tell us about jesse oh god um so the saboteur is a third person sort of action shooter game which takes place in uh paris right as world war ii is about to kick off right when like the nazi occupation of paris is about to occur and you play as i think a i think an irish like Mm -hmm. mechanic car you're a race car um, mechanic. Yeah, race yeah. car, race car mechanic called like Sean Devlin, and you know, like you're always hanging out in the pubs and shit, and just getting into scraps and stuff. And then all of a sudden, the Nazis come around and have to ruin everything, as they always 
do in video games and in real life. But <laughs> um, I, the, the one thing I remember about this game is that the majority of it, I'll say the majority, it sort of starts out sort of like in full color. You know, you're sort of going around doing a few like little fetch quest missions and then suddenly the Nazis come in and the whole game sort of like dips into like black and white color scheme. And as you liberate different parts of the map, it brings the color back in, like the like Paris Liberate forces start coming in and stuff. Um, and I just remember thinking like that is a mad decision to have for near enough like, I wouldn't say it's a triple A game, but it was like, it had some like big money behind it and stuff. Like it's a, it was a pretty sick game. And on top of that, as well, it was, it was almost like Hitman-esque as well, because I had a few stealth elements where you could knock a Nazi out, dress up as him, like infiltrate a base, and then, you know, plant C4 on their tanks and stuff to then bounce out. And then you can like, you know, I was going to say derobe yourself. You can't quite do that in the <laughs> game, but you, you can go back into civilian clothing and there stuff. Is, but... uh, there is nudity if you had the, uh, the special edition oh, pass. My God. I don't know if you remember this. It's like a room do... that you can go to where there are people with their boobs out, um, but you can only yeah. do it if you had the code for like having a new copy. So that's inaccessible I remember anymore. That. Can't have it. I, I know, and I have a very cringy memory of going to game and my mum buying this game for me. It's always tied back to, you know, she has to buy the game for me because I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and I remember it had a little sticker saying there was a DLC, like... I was going to say pamphlet, like a little, you know, DLC inlay inside. And I was like, oh, what's this free DLC? <laughs> Sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, open it up. And then it's just like this sort of shady backroom <laughs> DLC and stuff in some strip club. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm not, I'm not telling and her then, I've got this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had to like, I had to sort of install the DLC when my mum was asleep and then mm. check out. And I was like, I am very disappointed in this. Great. Did you have your console it, like in the living room? Was it like a shared sort of situation in nah, the living room? So we, we had it because I shared a room with my um, older brother. So we sort of had, we had the HD TV in the living room. Then like our old, like sort of like tubey CRT TV in our bedroom. So I'd like ferry the console back and forth, but I bought the Xbox 360 into the bedroom to install that DLC. And <laughs> we were both very disappointed and never looked at it again. But the game itself is very, very good. I don't know if it's available on Steam anymore or anything like that, but... Do you remember the ending, is, by the way? It, it actually has one of my favorite video game endings. I don't know if you I recall that. I can't quite remember the end. And I feel like I remember, does it take place on like the top of the Eiffel Tower or something like yeah. that? Yes, that's so it. So you rock up to it. You're like, all right, I'm ready for this like massive scrap with all the Nazis. I'm going to kick them out of Paris once and yeah. for all. Going to the Eiffel Tower, I'm ready. To <laughs> that's exactly it. what happened in World War yeah. II as well. Just a massive scrap up by the Eiffel Tower. Totally, yeah. Um, it's actually one of my favorite historical facts that like Hitler was supposed to go to the top of the um, Eiffel Tower as like a little viewing visit, and all of the people that were like the part of the Paris Resistance like they cut the uh, elevator cables so that he wasn't <laughs> able to get the elevator, so he didn't go. Uh. So, like, oh, I love that. Um, so yeah, you show up to the Eiffel Tower, and uh, all of the Nazis have like basically heard that the war is ending that like none of them want to fight you anymore they're all just like passive so as you walk your way up they're all just like not interested in having the scrap that you're there to have <laughs> it is like really really cool mm, yeah shit i can't remember that like honestly my that's thing I, I don't think i would have specifically chosen the non-violent route at least mm. back then every sort of game i play involves me having to murder as many people as i can as evident with the previous boulders gate 3 chat we had hell yeah um <laughs> But shit, yeah, the saboteur was just amazing, and I can't, I can't remember exactly who um, put the saboteur together because they they don't exist anymore. I'm trying mm. to remember the company. I think, um, oh, Pandemic Studios, the guys behind Mercenaries. Yeah, yeah, and so that I excited think, me too because I love Mercenaries too. Like that's a that's oh a yeah, great yeah, game. that was that was one of my favorite co-op games. Actually, on the on the Xbox 360 as well, uh, the Mercenary series was pretty banging. But I I think this was one of um, Pandemic Studios' last. One of one of their last games, and then the yeah the studio sort of died. So if you want to play Pandemic's uh, sort of final um, final hurrah, then check out the Saboteur because it is genuinely a pretty banging third person action adventure game where you can blow up Nazis in Paris and restore the color back to Paris. How romantic, um, <laughs> Matt? What's your what's your big big final big boy game? I have to mention it because it, I don't think it gets its due. It is basically just a hidden Final Fantasy game. It's called Lost Odyssey. 
Uh, people might know that it was written by the Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi, and it had mm. music by Nobu Uematsu. So it is essentially a Final Fantasy game. Just in yeah, the, sounds you know. like it. <laughs> um, and like it had just a really cool battle system, which was kind of like a rhythm game. You had a little yeah. circle that you had to hit as you were doing your attacks, that, and you could customize that depending on like how much more damage you wanted to do or how much likelihood mm. of you uh, achieving it. Uh, and then had this like um, front and back row um, like f- like unit placement thing. So anybody that was in your party that you had in the back row took less damage as long as the people in the front oh, row. Oh, that's kind of healthier. unique. Yeah, it was really so. You'd have like your magic classes back there, but they'd mm. only be at risk if your front people started taking more damage. Really, what, really what, cool. I was going to ask: Was this the game that came on like eight discs? I don't really remember. I think maybe two. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, like weirdly, because I think that uh, Microsoft really wanted to break into the Japanese market. There were was yeah. this and Blue Dragon were like pretty. Yes, good I remember Blue Dragon as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, didn't actually really take off in Japan, but were really <laughs> well received over here. Because like everybody knows the 360, like no one in Japan cared about it whatsoever. Everybody bought a PlayStation. Yeah, I mean to be, to be fair, like to PlayStation's credit, like. They had the fucking Spider-Man font mm-hmm. on it. When I found that out, I was like, <laughs> I want a PlayStation now. And also, like, you couldn't fucking watch Blu-rays. When mm. I started actually caring about movies and shit, you couldn't watch them on the 360. You had to stick to DVDs. Yeah. could get an HD DVD Ugh. little thing you could plug in. <laughs> Who's doing that? Yeah, not me. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. I did see one of those HD DVD drives at CEX. I think they'll send it for like 12 quid. And I was like, I don't even think you can even buy HD DVDs. Yeah. I bet there's a couple Anymore. movies where everybody's like, "Oh no, the real way to watch it is on HD DVD." <laughs> like that's the that's the format. <laughs> oh god, no, thank you. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Thank you. Well, I think that sort of wraps up one of our, sort of our, you know, nostalgic little happy stroll down memory lane when it comes yeah. to the Xbox 360. I'm emotional because Thanks for going any on this sort of, journey with us. It was a nice Yeah, I know. It was, a it nice was fantastic. Journey, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm always sort of gutted when any sort of digital storefront closes down it sort of happened with i think what was it the 3ds the wii u and stuff and you know to be fair with the wii u and any nintendo digital storefront there's always a ton of indie games that just like bloody vanish and stuff and the same is going to happen with the 360 like the xbox arcade Mm -hmm. what was it a fucking like the doritos world dash which is essentially like yeah takeshi's castle on the 360 sponsored by doritos it's fucking bang it was free and it had achievements which was a big deal (laughs) yeah like genuinely if you have a 360 and you can somehow download that check it out i think it was like doritos world dash or something but crash course yes crash course that's it that slapped that game was sick but since we are all so busy for Gamescom and we're all preparing things and getting ready for next week, which is going to be hectic, we don't have time for a game, but we do have time for feedback. And if you want to send your own feedback, obviously, you know the address is IGNUK. It's IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. I love the, the, whole, the whole gag is that Cardi can't get the email right. I'd like that you yeah. kept that alive. Yeah, I'm really glad I did. But we do obviously have some feedback to read. So who's first? I believe it's Emma. It is me. And we have an email from <laughs> Louis. Louis says, Dear IGN UK podcast team, being the fans of deeply serious cinema that we are, my girlfriend and I decided on the weekend to go and watch The oh, Meg 2. Wow. Yes. What a choice. Love it. Um, <laughs> however, this was no ordinary screening, but rather a Cineworld 4DX 3D screening. That is a mouthful. Wow. Which is described by Cineworld as the most exhilarating way to watch a film. Lovely. <laughs> this, this sounds like... This sounds too full on. When I go to the cinema, I think like, oh, I'm going to sit. It's nice and dark. I'm going to lose myself. Yeah, in this movie. I want to this... fall asleep. No. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like an extreme experience. Okay, so Louis says, 
What this essentially amounts to is rows of seats jolting out like you're on some sort of static roller coaster <laughs> and water and air being squirted at you from various angles. Oh, they actually squirt water at you as well. That's pretty. See, the only time I've kind of had that is when I've been to like a theme park, you know, where they have those like kind of yeah. sit down experiences. I didn't know they did that in the UK. So that's pretty cool. Um, mm. Sorry. Anyway, um, glad we tried it as we've been curious for a while, but I can't say I'll be rushing back. The screening was surprisingly mostly full, which I found baffling at around £17 a pop. It wasn't exactly cheap either. My question is, do you see any of these gimmicks sticking? It feels like 3D has come and gone, and with the recent catchphrase being shouted by seemingly every publication to watch films on the biggest screens possible. (laughs) Including this podcast. It's beginning to feel like you're not getting the full experience by sitting on the couch and just watching a movie. Big fan of the podcast. Thanks for all the laughs and entertainment over the years. And if watching the Meg 2 has taught me anything, it's that the sea and its creatures must be respected. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Lou. I would say me and my partner, we watched Meg 2 on its opening night in our local cinema because the trailer for it played before we watched Oppenheimer the weekend before, which is just a stupid place for it to be. Um, and it's... I understand why we gave it a four. It is a shockingly shit, just awful film. And there's barely any Megs in it. Well, there's a few Megs, but they are not as big as you would want a Meg to be. Like the poster is lying to you if you wanted a massive <laughs> Meg. They are not They are not as big That'd as be funny, they appear. Uh, for the, like, if we could print some stickers that are like Megs maybe smaller than they appear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think when it comes to those sort of like crazy little gimmicky things, um, I've... I don't think I'd ever be bothered enough to watch anything in fucking, what was it? 3D, 4DX 3D. I don't think I want some old ass water being squirted in my face for 17 quid. Um, I don't know. How about you guys? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the gimmick is almost, it it almost proves that the movie behind it must not be engaging enough to, to, like to matter, you know? Like if (laughs) you were a good movie, you wouldn't have to do this. Like, imagine that they did do this for Oppenheimer, right? The bomb drops and then you immediately just, like, the chair starts shaking. You'd think it was ridiculous, right? I mean, I would feel like that's almost kind of rude as well. I don't know why. Like, that would really take me out of it if, like, wind started blowing in my face and, like, the chair started rocking when the fucking Trinity test occurred. Like, Mm. I don't want to feel that connected to it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Emma? Yeah, I think, like, with regular films, I wouldn't want that at all. I think... Yeah, like when I've been to like theme parks, like the Disney parks, I think do it really well where you're having this mm. kind of sit down and they build that whole experience around that. So they've got like this sort of sit down show you go into in the Animal Kingdom called It's Tough to Be a Bug. And it's all like these, <laughs> li- these little like bugs from Bugs Life, like jumping around and dancing and singing and stuff. And, Aww. you know, they sort of puff like air and it, it's not like too much because it's for kids as well. So you don't want to you know, scare them or anything. But there's one part of that that would always like freak me out as a kid going to see that like <laughs> little show. And that's like Ugh. right at the end of it. They're like, OK, everyone, like that's the end of the show. Like, please remain in your seats and let the bugs leave. And they get the bugs. Well, it feels like the bugs are leaving under your seat. So you kind of like everyone in the whole like cinema gets up like, oh, what's that? Um, I think that can be done really well. And they have a few other like sort of little shows like that as well, where they'll have like, you know, they'll puff like certain smells at you or whatever. If you're you're in a certain area, like Mm. I think they do something with like Beauty and the Beast or it's like, you, you know, you're getting all the food and you can smell all these nice things. I think mm. that's really cool. But yeah, for a regular film, I think maybe it would be a bit too much. Like, Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say um, when, you know, the latest Avatar came out, I went to a screen and that was 3D um, variable frame rate where I was jumping back between 24 and 48. And the shit was just so fucking weird. Like I, I've watched films that people have made at 60 FPS. I watched The Hobbit at 48 FPS and stuff, but... I think the jarring thing is having scenes and even like different background elements be at different frame rates in the same scene. You're ha- you're watching someone talking at 24 and then someone like sneezes in the background, but that's at like 48 FPS for some reason. It was just, I can't imagine that catching on. Not saying I don't want, you know, new developments in cinema to occur, but I think they need to chill out with shit like that. Yeah. Choose one frame rate, do not mix it. 
my yeah. answer is just always if it's good you know i'd, I'd love it, yeah. if it if it worked let's have loads of it but yeah we'll see yeah oppenheimer at 120 fps would be yeah, an amazing experience as well yeah <laughs> a little self-shaded font over it yeah. make it look good anyway yeah, all those, di- all those dialogue scenes at blistering frame rates would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next bit of feedback is from Rob, and it's for you, Matt. Amazing. This is an email from Rob. Hello, UK IGN crew. Gamescom is rapidly approaching, and I'll be heading over for this uh, for the first time this year as part of a holiday to Germany to see some friends who live in the south of Germany. We're going to go do the whole journey from Hertfordshire to Germany on the railways. I'm taking our Nintendo Switch to keep me occupied whilst shooting across mm. the French and German countrysides. With this in mind, do you guys have any shorter travel game recommendations that could be completed in 15 to 20 hours? Don't have lots of time for gaming these days, so I'd love something to get stuck into that I can finish by the end of the week. Love the podcast. Bless wishes and utmost respect for the sea. Hmm. Uh, what I will say, r- completely ignoring your question for a second, make sure to get some curry <laughs> Brilliant. worst. Have curry worst as soon as possible. It is absolutely yeah. the thing that you're in Cologne for. Um, go to the show, but also like explore Cologne too. It's a really lovely, beautiful city. Don't just don't just go to um, the the Meze and then like you know, don't explore the city. It rules. Cologne's lovely. Mm, yeah, and I would say as well, if you're in Gamescom and you see one of us, feel free to say hello, unless yeah. we seem very busy and pissed <laughs> off and like crying in a corner. But mm. even then, you know, maybe maybe a nice hello would be appreciated. But yeah. to answer your question, um, honestly, I, w- I would recommend Undertale. That's on the Switch, and that's like, what, mm. eight hours long? Itself and Undertale's bloody banging. Yeah. Uh, First bit of Delta I don't think it could go wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, Maybe if you want something, it depends how you play it. Like Civilization Six is on the Switch. You know, you could be a complete prick and start destroying everyone, or you could have a nice time building up your your city. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you guys? Any recommendations? I'd I played, say. Uh, oh, oh sorry. Go. I was going to say it's Spelunky Two. Is hell yeah! Oh, it's man. so good. And I've never played a Spelunky game before. I prefer oh. the first one personally, but that's just the first one is good. really good. Yeah, like to be honest, I think you can get both of them. They did have them together on the Switch, actually, I think, in like a little combo kind of deal. Mm. But yeah, Spelunky 2, it is, it's unforgiving <laughs> as a platformer. Like, especially like the opening area is really, really mean. There are so many animals that will want to kill you. But you could easily, I could easily spend 15 hours just playing that. And mm. it doesn't even, you don't even have to finish it. Just the next, like, when you get to a new area, you'll just be happy enough that you've got there. It is really, really yeah. fun. And there are lots of cool secrets in that too. Mm. I would say as well, before we move on, I, was, I brought my Switch in to the office today and on the train, I was just playing a bit of Mario Kart 8. Like, you yeah. can't really go wrong Mario with doing Kart's like a cup good. or two. Yeah. Yeah, when you're traveling about. Um, got the two controllers right. attached to the thing, so if you get there with anybody else too, just, you know, flip, flip yeah, exactly to them. <laughs> All uh, right. With, this is a email from Rich. And he says, Howdy, IGN crew. Long time, first time, and all that jazz. After Cardi waxing lyrical, business model aside, about Overwatch 2, I thought I'd polish off my rusty FPS skills and try a competitive shooter for the first time in years. It comes as a pleasant but massive shock to myself that I'm having a fabulous time with one minor complaint, which leads nicely into my question slash main point. Am I getting old? The answer to this is a resounding yes. Rather, menus or first-person shooters now excessively convoluted. I guess it's a positive that you can delve into a shooter to the depth you choose, but I feel myself getting a bit overwhelmed when looking at everything going on. Love to know your thoughts, Rich. And that's pretty much what I fucking said like 30 minutes ago about there's just too much shit and I can't handle it. How do you, how do you feel? There's a really good video that um, Cracked did when I think it was Evolve came out, mm. the like multi-person. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was specifically about like the perspective of somebody that doesn't play games and somebody that plays them all the time. And it's like, how yeah. do you even take in the information that is being presented to you? Like, there's just yeah. so much that only really has any context if you've like been playing it for however many years and like seen what gets added incrementally. Um, yeah yeah like i try to imagine what it must be like for somebody to like literally your first time playing a game and then pick up like a modern fps like what what is happening yeah i mean emma you play like a shit ton of first person shooters don't you yeah it's like my favorite thing to play (laughs) (laughs) but i i kind of had this feeling when valorant came out um Mm. because i'm a massive fan of like counter-strike so i'd i played 
like over a thousand hours of CSGO absolutely love it and played lots of Overwatch when it came out as well and when Valorant released everyone was like oh it's like Overwatch and CSGO kind of mixed together and I was like oh that sounds really cool like I'll give it a go I still now obviously Valorant's been out for a while I still can't get like a handle on that game there's so many Mm. different types of like smokes and colors and just things (laughs) happening and it's like I, I can't handle it my brain can't take all of that in like yeah my brain is filled with like CSGO smokes and you know that that's like sort of I guess as complicated as that game really gets it's very much just yeah. like you know you need fast reflexes it helps if you you know have good game sense of the map and you'll get that from playing lots anyway but in terms of the actual gameplay it's very like simple and straightforward it's like you see the person headshot <laughs> or if not <laughs> they will headshot you like um yeah, yeah I think I, I do really enjoy Overwatch. I kind of like the the chaotic sort of ness that you get with that. Um, mm. And I haven't played Overwatch 2 for a bit, but I do kind of want to go back to it now. They've just had like a big update, haven't they? Um, yeah. Like and, and Cardi sounds like he's having a good time. So, mm. but yeah, like I think with certain shooters, like if it's got too much going on, I'm kind of, I switch off from it a bit because yeah, it's simplicity is nice sometimes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I see those sort of um, like viral COD clips floating around on Twitter all the time where it's a dude where he has a sensitivity set to like a trillion and he's jumping around like he's fucking did a line of coke and it just looks like in no way, shape or form a style that I would ever adopt if I wanted to get optimal playing modern warfare or whatever. Like it's just, it's not how, it's just not how I want to play and I think when it comes to sort of like first person shooters or any sort of like competitive multiplayer things, I mean, usually like I enjoy more like PVE-esque scenarios. Like if I'm going to jump on Armor 3 with a couple of my buddies, then, you know, that's a first person shoot, which we can play together, ready or not, like more slower paced things like that. That are still quite difficult to play, but you can play with your pals, still first person shooter. I can have a lovely time. But yeah, I completely agree with the menus and stuff. Like for me, one of my biggest pet peeves is like sort of like the Destiny style menu where I just can't use like the D-pads to shift around the menu or I can't use like, you, it, everything has to be an orb. Yeah. Everything has to be a little like pointer now. Like just let me fucking move around the menu like a normal person, It's please. actually, it's why I'm not playing much Exoprimal, which I think is pretty good, but it's like yeah. orb menus. I really, I don't like that I finish a game mm. and I can't just press A to continue. I have to like yeah. move my stick down. Well, or like having to hold A to accept something and you have to like watch the bar fill mm. when you're like trying to like select an outfit. I'm just like, it, I just get so angry. I'm like, I'm going to play <laughs> some Baldur's Gate 3 because <laughs> I, I just um, can't can't deal with this shit anymore. I love that I get an opportunity to moan about this. I think that, uh, so I've been playing Dave the Diver, which I think yes. is really good and worth checking out, but it's mm. got a like um, A button tapping mechanic for catching certain fish. Uh, and I just really yep. wish it wasn't in there. Like, I I can't be bothered to tap the button really fast to, like, yeah. ca- I just wish it was a thing that I didn't have to do. It, like, yeah, like, really switches me off. That's the thing, like, it doesn't offer much of a challenge. It's just, like, just just don't make me fucking do it. I'm mm. here to I'm here to chill out. This ain't Dark Souls yeah. or anything like that. And even that doesn't even really involve button mashing, you know? <laughs> oh, but, hey, we're just a bunch of old people complaining mm-hmm. about FPS menus now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Look at us. Oh. Yeah, I know. Such a lovely time. But um, Rich, thank you so much for the feedback. And once again, and this time I'm going to get it right, if you want to send your own feedback, if you have your favorite Xbox 360 memories that you'd like to share with us, it is IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Um, well done. Yeah, it's been... Good job, Thank yeah. you so much, I know. <laughs> also, I think this might be the first podcast I've hosted Hey. And I've I've been That's here for like five cool. years. That should be the <laughs> not first saying that I wasn't allowed. There should be. Yeah, I know. Did, did Jesse do a good job? And you're allowed. And to the say answer no. is no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for all the feedback, everyone, and as well Matthew and Emma for joining us today. Um, oh, I've what, got a suggestion. What, there, there is yeah. a really good cover of a Nina Simone song in uh, the Saboteur. It's oh uh, my good god! Yes, Simone. there is. Yeah, yes, there is that cover. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's going to play. And hopefully good old Nina doesn't complain too much. (laughs) It's a cover. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. It's all good. But guys, I would like to say goodbye.
See you next time. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.